Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast Weekly Sermon Podcast. We want you to know that we're excited about our brand new church facility located on 1331 Cove Road in New Bedford, Massachusetts. We offer three service times for you to choose from. We have kids classes for all ages so parents can enjoy the service while kids learn about Jesus. We'd love to host you in person, Saturdays at 5 p.m. or Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Now, here's an encouraging word. We're going to begin a new series of talks titled Church Starts at Home. And it is something that is very dear to my heart because it's something that has defined my life since I was 19 years old. It all started when my dad was radically saved. You see, this is why we tell you don't neglect these tickets because some people may come to church only for Easter and Christmas, but you don't know what God's going to do one of those Easter or Christmas because that's what happened to my parents. They used to only go for Easter and Christmas, but one day the presence of God hit home and it changed them forever and it changed my family forever. So please take those tickets seriously. And bless somebody because you don't know what God's going to do. Amen? You know, we say that God has a plan, but we don't know God's timing of that plan. You know, so they went to church just for Christmas and Easter until I was 19 years old. My dad was radically saved, like completely transformed. I will never be able to doubt God in my life because I've seen a miracle right in front of me. My dad battled drinking all entire, his entire life, and, and I saw him change from night and day like this. Never been to an AA meeting. Jesus delivered him, set him free. And so once he got saved, he began to take the Bible seriously, and he came across this passage that I want to read to you today that became the mantra of his life and our family, and it's found in Joshua 24, verse 15, and it says this, it says, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Can you say amen? And so that became the, 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 the slogan of our family. My dad said, you know what, I going to take the Lord seriously, and we're going to pursue the Lord. And slowly but surely, God began to do a work in our family. My friends, I want to encourage you that God always starts with one person. You might be the only one in your family right now, but don't be discouraged. Don't neglect it. God is saying, I'm starting with you, and I'm going to have a domino effect in your family. Because a year later, I got saved at 20 years old, and then my mom got saved, and then my sisters got saved, and today we can probably say, as for me and my family, we are serving Jesus. But it starts with one. Don't neglect the power of one, and don't neglect the power of families throughout the scriptures. God always uses families. From the beginning, God said it was not good for men to be alone, and, and, and he created Eve. And, and then God created Adam uh, to, to have Eve, and then later on, God says, I'm going to rescue the world through one family, Noah's family. And then later on, God says, I'm going to establish a covenant through a family, Abraham's family. Abraham to Isaac, Isaac to Jacob, Jacob becomes Israel. And then through Israel, he says, I'm going to bless the whole world through a family, Mary and Joseph, births Jesus, which we'll talk about in a few weeks. But I want to say this right off the bat, because a lot of times when we talk about these things, I don't want you to rule yourself out of this. I believe where you are in your life right now, the Word of God will meet you exactly where you are. 
Listen, I believe God's word is not prejudiced to where you are. So guess what? If you're single today, I believe there are things here that God wants to teach you about how to have a family in the future. If you are dating, there's things that God wants to teach you. If you're flirting, there's things that God wants to teach you. If you're engaged, there's things that God wants to teach you. If you're married, there's things that God still wants to teach you. If you've been divorced, there's things that God wants to teach you. Listen, if you're a single parent, there's things that God wants to teach you. If you're part of a blended family, there's things that God wants to teach you. If you're an alien, there's things that God wants to teach you. And so I believe everyone is included in the Word of God. If you're paying attention, if you're teachable, God's got a word for you. So tell your neighbor, I'm, I'm, I'm locked in. So, so don't distract me, because church starts at home. Tell the right neighbor, I'm trying to start a church at home. These are the alley-oop moments that I try to have. But here's, here's what I want to do, guys. I want you to be ready to take notes because I want to share with you some basic principles about how to have this family dynamic that starts at home. And I want you to know this right off the bat that I am not an expert in this. I am a student, and I'm studying with you. I'm learning with you. I have a young family. Um, I'm learning to be a better husband, a better father, a better pastor. So I share these as fellow students, not someone who has, you know, owned these things. I'm, I'm learning with you. Amen? And so it all begins with what Joshua said. Joshua said, as for me, this is what I'm going to do. That, my friends, is called the power of an affirmation. Everything begins with an affirmation. Everything begins when I made up my mind about what I want. Like my dad said, we get to the places in life that we ask the question, what do I really want in life? You know, and there's something powerful about a made-up mind. The Bible says that God doesn't bless people who are double-minded. Who one day are trying to follow him, the next day they're still doing the things of the world. So it all begins with your mind being made up that I have decided this is what I want for my life. And therefore, this is what I'm going to reflect not just for me, but for my family, for my loved ones. And I would say this, if you're a single person, this is a powerful affirmation to start your life with, to say, as for me, I am going to serve Jesus, so nothing and no one is going to come into this mold of my life if they don't reflect the same affirmation that I want for my life. Power of choices, my friends. This is the greatest gift that God has given all of us, is the gift of choices. The choices that we make every day begins, hopefully, with this affirmation that I've decided I'm going to follow Jesus. Can you say amen? I came across this affirmation a couple of weeks ago at my favorite Chinese restaurant. Shout out to Grand Walk. But <laughs> if you're from New Bedford, that's what's up. That's where it's at. Um, but they posted this a couple of weeks ago, and I really love this. Look what they posted. They said, time flies so fast, the child grows up quickly, and mother's old quickly, too. So family first, we're planning to close on every Sunday, close on Sundays, start on 11, 10, 19, spend time with the family, thank you for your understanding. That, my friends, is an affirmation. That's a, that's a group of people who said, you know what, we're going to put God and family first, and then God will bless our business in the process. 
The powerful thing about this is that they will not lose anything because God is faithful to provide for all their needs. If you don't believe me, look at another Christian organization called Chick-fil-A. How much money they make. Even though they close on Sundays, God continues to honor and bless their lives because they're putting God and family first. By the way, these guys are Christians as well. They go to a Christian Chinese church, just in case you want to know. But there are many ways to live life, and we have to choose what is the most important way that I want to live my life and my family's life. Can you say amen? And like I said, God usually starts with one person. You might be the catalyst for the spiritual awakening in your family, and you have to embrace that role, even if those around you haven't embraced it yet, but will you begin to have that affirmation over yourself? Us for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It's a prophetic revelation. It's a powerful revelation. There's something powerful about declaring things that you want to see in your life. Can you say amen? The second thing I want you to understand about this, this concept that church starts at home is this powerful principle that it is more caught than taught. This is so important, my friends, that we understand this, that if we're going to be a group of people that are following the will of God, it's about the example that you set way more than the lectures that you give. Like, the thing that, that, that I appreciated about my father at 19, he knew this is no time for me to try to lecture you because I don't have much of a bankroll here. I haven't been much of an example, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to live by example, and I'm going to let my example be what attracts you to what is right and what's the thing that you need to do. And the best thing that he did at that point was he gave me a Bible. He says, why don't you begin to search for yourself? And that became the catalyst for my own conversion at the age of 20 years old. So my friends, if we want to reach our loved ones, it's better that we lead by example. The people that you live with don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Think about it. The people that you live with know the real you. You can't fake the funk. Right? Because they call you out on it. And if they don't call you out on it, they're just seeing it. And so the best way to witness to those that we live with is to show them by example, follow me because I am following Jesus. Let your life do the talking. It was one of my favorite quotes. Your actions are speaking so loud, I can't hear a word that you're saying. Because it is more caught than thought. Can you say amen? The thing you have to understand is that every family, God, I think God positions people who are the pillars of those families. You see, for me, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't my dad. My dad will tell you it wasn't him. It was, it was my grandmother. My grandmother was the true pillar of the, the family because my grandmother is the one that would pray for the family. My grandmother is the one that, that stood in the gap for years for my dad to come to salvation. My grandmother is the one that day in and day out was teaching how to be a Christian as opposed to just talking about being a Christian. See, now that I'm older, I appreciate this so much more. I spent so much time with my grandmother growing up uh, that I now look back and say, wow, she was really teaching through her life more than anything else. For example, my grandmother would get up every morning around 5 in the morning and walk to church to go pray at the church to the point that the pastor said, I can't keep getting up every day, so here's a key. You can open the door and you can come and pray yourself. 
So I have a grandmother who was establishing the foundation, the bedrock of what this family would look like, even though she hadn't seen it yet. And, and one of the things that I wish she was here to see was I wish she was here to see me preach. She never got to see me preach. But I know she's watching me preach. So believe me, your, 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 your life and your prayers go a long way. I believe we're going to get to heaven and God's going to say, look at all the people that was praying for you this whole time. None of us got here in a vacuum. We got here because someone was leading the way through praying to pushing to believing that God will make a way. I grew up watching my grandmother read the Bible every day. I never understood as a kid, but now I get it. The power of being in the Word every day. My grandmother never raised her voice. It's something that I want to emulate. My, you know, as a preacher, that's kind of hard, but... At least at home. I don't want to raise my voice. Why? Because she understood, I'm trying to teach you how to live this life. And I believe it's her prayers that has gotten to where we are today as a family. Because everybody sees you up here, but they don't understand. It's been a battle and a process to get to where we are. And I want to encourage you. You may not be there yet, but you are on your way to what God has for you which is the third principle, is basically to cover your family with prayer. I can't stress this enough. The power of prayer. Soak your family every day. You may not see the results yet. Just keep praying. There is a sowing season, and then there's a reaping season. We talked about last week that God has a plan. We don't know his timing. So our job is to keep praying and to keep trusting and to keep believing that God is going to honor every prayer that you're praying. Can you say amen? And I want to say this about covering your family prayer. It doesn't have to be official prayer meetings at home. Okay, there's no need to get your kids in a room for 20, 30 minutes and then they hate praying. I'm talking about praying as you go. You know that prayer is supposed to just be the most easy thing that you do every day. You're just talking with God, just like you talk to people every day. Like, prayer should just be a normal part of, of a follower of Jesus. Like, we're just, we're just inviting God into every situation that we find ourselves in. Waking up, praying, going to bed, praying, going to school, praying. Listen, we pray with our kids majority of the times on the go. Get in the car, you know, as you know, trying to get five kids into a car. That, that's about 35 minutes right there of just... Especially in the wintertime, parents, you know what I'm talking about? Like the jackets and the, all the stuff and, you know, you got to like schedule your time to get in the car to be able to get to school on time. And so we pray on the go. We, 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 we tell them, like, let's do popcorn prayer. You know, pray for your teachers and pray for your friends and pray to be a blessing. Listen, pray on the go. Pray for your spouses on the go. You don't have to announce it. You know, I'm praying for you. Just pray. Don't be weird. You know, just, just pray. Just, just thank God for your, for your spouse. You know, one of my favorite times to pray for my children is at night. I have a hard time sleeping. Pray for me that I can sleep better. But when I wake up in the middle of the night, to me, it's, my, it's a chance to go to their rooms and pray. And, you know, this is a scientific reality that when your body is asleep, your body is working. Did you know that your body heals itself? Your body is, is kind of getting rid of junk toxins and all that stuff. So if your body's working physically, then I believe there's also time for the Holy Spirit to work 
And so I go in there and I say, God, as their bodies working, work on them. Mold them, shape them, make them into your image and likeness. I pray that they get a revelation of who you are. I pray that they get to love you from an early age, that they can live their lives in the fullness of your will. I pray that the new normal is now for them. They don't have to taste the things of this world to know how good you are. I pray that every day over the kids, and I believe that I'm going to reap the benefits of those prayers in Jesus' name. So learn to pray over your children. And pray for your spouse when they're snoring. Pray for them. You know, pray first that the snoring will go away. And, and ladies, can I let you in on a secret? You want your husband to change? Pray. Don't force it. You'd be surprised how much transformation you will see if you just learn to take that thing you want so bad for him to do to pray. You get up one day and start doing those things, and you start high-fiving the Holy Spirit because... The truth is, I find this in 14 years of marriage, that, that the Holy Spirit sides with the wives. And I, I, I'm just, I find this because every time we get into an argument, I lose. And I hear the Holy Spirit going, I'm with her. So you better apologize and get it right because I'm not going to do anything until your wife says so. You know, they say if you bind something, it's bound. Like, I'm like, please forgive me because I want the spirit to flow. Like, I don't want, I can't. Husbands, that's an alley-oop. I'm always throwing alley-oops. I'm waiting for someone to throw it down. But let me tell you something. Commit to praying for each other. I'm telling you, the things you want to see in your marriage starts with prayer. Commit to just learning to submit your husband to your ultimate father who once was best for you. You know, there's a scripture that you're not going to like, ladies, but there's a scripture in the book of Proverbs that says that a nagging wife is like a dripping of a faucet. I can't hit all the guys all the time. I mean, you got to give us one. You got to give us, got to give us one. And don't hate me, hate Jesus. Okay, he said it. I'm just a messenger, okay? <laughs> I'll move on, though, because I'm 41. I'll learn a thing or two. You don't want to mess with the ladies. Here's the next principle that's so important in life. Don't force it. Establish it. Don't force it. Establish it. You know, this is why I am so passionate about talking about the difference between religion and relationship. Here's, here's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about it. Because a lot of people grew up in religious homes who were very strict. They were forced to do things, and now they don't want anything to do with church. They don't want anything to do with Jesus. Why? Because they were forced into something that they was never established. The last thing we want is to force our kids into something that their hearts is not in it. And the last thing you want is to be in a marriage where things are forced, not established. I'll talk more about the roles of wives and husbands next week. But the, the powerful thing is, it's about giving each other permission to speak into each other's lives, not force each other's things upon each other's throats. Are you with me? So how do we do this? It's so important. Listen, the things that matters to you, it's important that you explain the why behind them. If you don't explain the why behind the things that matters to you, the how and the what will go out the window. It's important to explain the why because the why is what connects the heart to the how and the what. 
right? So for example, it's important that you explain to your kids, why is it important to you that we go to church every week? Don't just say, we go to church. You have to explain the why. Explain the power of being in God's house. Explain the power of community prayer. Explain the power of worship. Explain the power of the word. Explain the power of them being connected to other believers. Explain that that is the way that God has orchestrated for his people to come together and show who he is on the face of the planet. Like explain how powerful it is that you are connected to other believers, that you don't want to be isolated because the enemy would love to isolate you to pick you off. Explain those things. So when they grow up and they start making decisions, they can say, wow, the why is powerful. Why wouldn't I want to be part of that? Think about it. Why would I want my life to be under God's covering and blessings if I understand the why behind it? Are you with me? Here's another one so important. Explain why authority is important. Like the reason why our city is in such chaos is because young people don't understand the power of authority. And I don't mean unhealthy authority because we have some of that going on. But I'm talking about, listen, it's important that kids understand the power of the people that God put in place. The power of teachers and police officers and bosses and church leaders. Like explain why it's powerful to submit your life to the authority that God put in place. I know we live in a society where people every day bashes the president of the United States, but I'm not bringing that into my house. As for me and my house, we're going to bless our president. We're going to pray for our president. We're going to pray for our government. I was a high school teacher for nine years. And, 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 and usually when a kid gets into trouble and you bring a parent in, you realize, oh, this is where the trouble really is. Because the parents never established what authority looks like. And when you come in and you start to defy authority in front of your children, what you're doing is you're giving them permission to do the same thing. So don't be surprised when they defy your own authority at home. Because my friends, we reap, we sow. Think about it. Listen, if I don't want curses into my life, then I'm not bringing them into my life. Explain the power of being submitted into the right authority. The Bible says, honor those in authority so you can live a peaceful life. Majority of the time, you will not get in trouble with any authority if you're doing the right thing. Now, I know there's unhealthy authority out there, but majority of time, authority will leave you alone if you're doing the right thing. Can you say amen? Don't force it. Establish it. Here's another key part that we need to establish the why. Why is discipline important? My friends, if we don't explain why discipline is important, kids are going to think that you are a dictator as opposed to someone who's trying to establish something for them to live by. Think about it, right? There is a difference between discipline and abuse. The Bible says that God even disciplines those he loves. That God loves us so much that he's like, there are some things I have to discipline you. I have to correct you because I care about you too much not to correct you. But he explains it that I correct you because I love you, because I have a plan for you, and I want to, you to prosper. And so if, if, if Heavenly Father does that, how much more do I need to do that and teach them that, A, there is a blessing in discipline. We are where we are in life right now depending on the level of discipline that we have allowed into our lives. 
that could be good or bad, right? But the reality is discipline is powerful if we want to see the fullness of God's will in our lives. Can you say amen? Here's the next thing, my friends. The next principle is this one. Protect your house. Now, I want to talk on this on two levels. I want to talk on this on the level of protect your physical home, but also protect your spiritual home. You know, the Bible says that we are a temple of the Holy Spirit, that, that the Spirit of God lives in us, that we can't just allow anything into our spiritual home, that we shouldn't allow just anything to come into the gateways that God has given us. You know, your eyes are gateways to your soul. You know, your ears are gateways. You know, your, your mouth is a gateway. So guess what? I have to protect my home from anything that's not the will of God for my life. How many know that God is love, but he's also holy? and he's righteous, and he's just. How many know that God does not flirt with sin? How many know that God's not going to bless something that's not going to bless your life? And so we need to protect our home about anything that's going to come against the will of God for our lives. Listen, I'm going to make it very clear here. Don't let things come into your life that does not reflect the will of God. We live in the 21st century, but I want you to know very serious, we believe in the Holy Spirit but also we believe that there are spirits. There are spirits that would love to come into your life and, and take over. The Bible says don't even give the devil a foothold. You know what a foothold is? When you're trying to close the door and someone puts their foot down, the devil would love to have a little crack in your house to come and wreak havoc when he wants to. And we need to raise up and say, no, 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 as for me and my house, we're going to close the door to anything. So I want you, listen, beware of the spirit of lust. The reason why so many marriages are in trouble is because of lust. My friends, I, I want to say something really, really serious here. Majority of kids get exposed to lust because lust is already in the house. They may not even see you do it, but it's in the house. Because the moment you open that door, you're invited, you're saying, lust, come in. And the problem with lust is, lust never comes alone. The moment you put that door down, lust is like, okay, depression, come in. Okay, brokenness, come in. Okay, deception, come in. Okay, lying, come in. Deceit, come in. You open one door, it leads to many other spirits. My friends, it's time we begin to rebuke these things out of our lives so it doesn't get down to our kids and our kids' kids telling you, listen, the world doesn't know what to do right now with lust because they, they've settled for something less than what God had in mind. This is not just Christians talking like this. This is Time Magazine had an article on lust. They're like, listen, it is the most spent thing in this, in this country, the porn industry. And as people of God, we have to ask the question, if I wouldn't want my daughter to be exposed to that, then I shouldn't be exposing myself to things that I wouldn't want my daughter to be exposed to. A single people, my friends, why should God trust you with one of their daughters? If he can't trust you to be alone. Everything is a test, my friends. The test of your character, one of the things that I'm trying my best to teach my children right now, especially the three older ones, is I want to teach them what it means to be a person of character. And one of the things I'm trying to help them understand is, listen, if you do something that, that, that you think no one's watching you do, that that's, has to do with who you think you are. 
Because, because if you don't understand who you are, then you're always going to think, I have to do things behind people's backs. But I need to help them understand, no, no, who you are defines what you do, whether people are watching you or not. And so you got to be the same person that you are in school, at home. This is why... When I got saved and I began to get invitations to preach at different churches, I would come home and my dad would always bring back to this mantra, hey, if you remember though, church starts at home. If you can be real here, you can be real anywhere. And if you can preach at home, you can preach anywhere. Can you say amen? amen. Beware of the spirit of greed. If your bottom line is always money, then your kid's bottom line is going to be money. If every decision you make is based on money, guess what? They're going to see that, hey, that's a bottom line for me. Remember, they're watching every single thing that you do. You, you think they don't pay attention. The kids are smarter than you give them credit for. They're paying attention to every detail. I'm blown away with the details that they, they pay attention to because they even tell me what they're looking at. And, it's a, and it's, a, it's a scary reality to see that you have those little ones looking at you all day long. Can you say amen? Beware of the spirit of comparison because then they grow up comparing themselves to others. But I believe that the more we show them contentment, the more they might want to be content as well. Contentment is not settling. There's two different things there. Beware of the spirit of gossip. Because next thing you know, your kids are gossiping. And you know how Christians gossip, right? Girl, you got to pray for... You know, we think because we use Christianese that it's not gossip. My friends, the devil's a liar. Let's call it spade a spade. Let's beware of gossip. Beware of spirit of laziness. You know, a friend of mine taught me this one. A friend of mine taught, said to me, you know, every time I go out to work, I've been telling my kid, work is awesome. Because I want him to have that mindset that work is awesome. I don't want him to see me complaining and whining about it all day because then he's going to complain and whine when he has to get a job. And I'm like, man, that's good. I'm going to take that and start doing it. I started doing it. Hey, guys, work is awesome. Dad's going to be gone all day today, but it's, it's awesome. At first, all they understand is, oh, you work, so we get, we, get, we get stuff. Okay, that's awesome, Dad. Just keep bringing stuff to us. I was like, yeah, whatever works, works, but we're going to start there. Work is awesome. Can you say amen? And my friends, here's, here's the one, again, religion and relationship. Beware of the spirit of hypocrisy. Don't tell them to do something that you're not doing. This is something we're big on in this church. My leaders know this. I will never ask anyone to do something that I'm not willing to do. If we serve the city, I serve the city. If we tithe, it's because I tithe. If we give, it's because I, we give. If we serve, it's because I serve. Like, I will never ask anyone to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself, and I have to teach my kids that from home. If I'm doing it, it's because I want you to do it as well. If I'm not going to do it, then I'm not going to want you to do it. And there are times that I have to fess up to them and say, Dad blew, up, blew that one up, and I have to apologize to you because I didn't handle this thing the right way. Even in those moments, we have to teach them, here's how to come back and ask for forgiveness. Here's the last one today. Create a thriving environment. It's important that we create a thriving environment. Listen, my friends, people thrive in an encouraging environment. Environments that are encouraging will make people flourish. I'm telling you, all of us need encouragement. Not one of us 
is all set. Every single one of us need to be encouraged. So why not create a place where encouragement is a way of life? Isn't it fascinating how quickly we are to encourage total strangers sometimes? And we neglect them to encourage the ones we see every day because we take them for granted. But I'm saying let's be intentional about encouraging the ones that we do life with every day because they're the ones that God has trusted us with and we want to start encouraging them at home. Spouses, encourage each other. So much easier to point everything that's wrong. But what about the things that are right? What about the things that every day we take for granted? The little things that we do at home that we should be celebrating, right? Husbands, why don't you stop right now? Look over and say, honey, you look beautiful today. Just, just alley you, please. Don't miss this moment. And if you're single, I'm giving you permission to, to flirt a little bit. Plant some seeds. Hey, pastor told me to tell you. <laughs> that you look good today. Your kids need encouragement. Have you noticed, parents, how many times a day do you hear this? Dad, look. Dad, look. Mom, mom, look. Dad, dad, look. Dad, 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 why? Because they feel affirmed when you look. Any little thing that they're doing, like, Dad, look. Mom, look. Where does that come from? If it comes from a place of needing affirmation. And listen, in you right now, there's still that kid in there. Wishes someone would look. That someone would pay attention. And that's why sometimes we get in trouble in our marriages because we're trying to find it somewhere else. But if we find that at home, then we don't have to go anywhere else to find it. We need to start cultivating affirmation at home so we don't have to go find it somewhere else. We just had an annual football game. That's why I'm kind of walking really slow today. I don't know if you noticed. Kind of staying right here. I took a bath in Biofreeze. You know, just kind of roaming right over here. His hamstrings are singing. You know. But it's amazing what 40-year-olds will do one, one day a year to be like, look! Funny thing is, there's like five people in the crowd and we're still like, look! You know, the bragging rights are still there. And I'm happy to say that over 30 has won five years in a row. Yes. So here's my word of encouragement for all of you under 30. Just keep trying. Just keep trying. One of these days we'll be 80 years old. You might win. I'm just saying. Just, just keep trying. But we thrive. Listen, my friends, my last point today is we thrive when we're having fun. Let's create environments that are fun. Seriously, Christians, it should be the 11th commandment. Thou shalt have fun. I think, honestly... The Christian world, a capital C, not just this church. I think Christians are taking themselves way too serious. Like way, 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 way too serious. My mama said, my mama said, like, stop it. How about God said you are to have fun. You are to enjoy life. Smile a little bit more. Life is too short to be grumpy all the time. 
And I know you're like, I run a tight ship. The problem is God didn't call you to be a general. He called you to be a mom, be a dad, be fun, be enjoyable. Let the kids want to come around you and want to be with you. Listen, some of you need to go home and play some video games with your kids. Always nagging them for playing video games. Don't you know nowadays they can make money playing video games? You should be encouraged them to play more video games. Some of you need to go home and be like, why are you studying? Play more video games. I'm going to hop in with you. Hopefully we make $5 million on the next Fortnite championship. I'm joking, but not really. I, I need you to have more fun. Listen, spouses, have more fun. Remember that time when you fell in love with each other? How about we go back there and remember how you used to giggle and be weird? You know, you hang up, now you hang up. Now you're like, are we done? <laughs> Why'd you call me for? I don't know, honey, because I missed you. That's it? I thought the kids did something. <laughs> more fun, please, more fun. I can't back this claim. I can't back it up. Might be a conspiracy theory. But I think more people would come to church if they saw Christians having more fun. If they saw people being more excited, more loose, more relaxed. They're like, oh, you like to have fun. You know, I think, I think your house should be fun. You know, I, I try to make my house fun, but, they, but they, there's been a, a, a verdict over me in my house. My, my wife and kids have said this. They're like, dad, you're only funny on Sundays. So I'm gonna ride this wave on Sundays, you know, but whatever it takes, like I play video games with my kids and I'm old school, I don't let them win. I'm having fun, they eat. you know what I mean? But I'm gonna have fun, right? More fun, please. Listen, you know how much work your body's doing right now for you to be grumpy? Like some of you, you wanna laugh, but you won't let yourself laugh. That's a lot of work. It's a lot of muscle work. Tell your neighbor, relax. There's a God, and you ain't it. So have fun. Enjoy yourselves. Come on, let's thank God today. Thank you, Lord. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share with a friend. And for more information, visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.